Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, my guest is Mitch Mays, and Mitch is with the Tentom Waterway Development Authority. And we are going to be talking a little bit today about the Tentom, which is, of course, a integral part of the Great Loop, and they have suffered some closures recently because of some flooding. So we're going to go into a little bit of detail on that, as well as some of the background of the Tentom Waterway. Before we begin, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes and Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage all of our listeners and loopers out there to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. With that out of the way, I'd like to welcome Mitch Mays. Mitch, thank you for joining me today. I'm glad to be with you. Yeah, and and you and I met at your conference a year or so ago, um, and the Tentom is, of course, a very important part of the Great Loop, and you've had some issues with closures there. So, we're going to talk about that in some detail, but first of all, for those who aren't familiar with the Tentom Waterway Development Authority, which, of which you are the administrator, tell us what the mission of your group is. Well, the uh, authority was created in 1958 to advocate for the building of the Tentom Waterway. Uh, just a little bit of history uh, <clears throat> with regards to the Tentom. Even back into the 1700s, uh, when uh, French fur traders uh, recognized that the Tennessee River was not that far away from the Tom Bigby River. Uh, it's been talked about having a canal or, or, or a waterway created to connect the two. Uh, it's gone through different phases of interest throughout the history of the country, but even George uh, Washington, the first president, uh, this was something that he had noted. And, and so this has been a long time coming, so to say, with regards to the creation of the waterway. Uh, the mission of the waterway itself, like I said, we were created in 1958 to advocate for the building of the waterway, uh, which uh, construction started in the 1971. Uh, it was finished in 1985. That's when the first commercial traffic started using the waterway. Uh, after the waterway was built, the mission kind of changed to, uh, for the authority, and we now promote uh, the use of the waterway, mainly for business and industry, but also recreation is a big part of what we uh, uh, concentrate on as well. And we work with uh, economic development officials, uh, power companies, the users of the waterway, uh, and try to develop and promote the waterway itself, the use of it. And, and that's such an important thing, and you do such a great job with that. From a looper perspective, uh, so important, because anyone who did the loop prior to 1985, and, and there are several, um, came down the lower Mississippi instead of, of course, the Tenton because it didn't exist yet. So most loopers, the vast majority, do take the Tenton. Very few take the lower Mississippi because it's really not very uh, pleasure craft friendly, a very commercial waterway. So it certainly has helped with the popularity of the Great Loop to have the Tentom option and take that waterway down. So um, 
the fact that it has been closed recently has been a challenge for some. Thankfully, a lot of loopers are not in that area right at this time, but I've heard from many who are. So tell us a little bit about the flooding that occurred over the past few months. Well, we've had an unusual uh, weather year. Uh, we've had significant amounts of rain going back into November of last year. So, you know, it was uh, all these different rain events led up to February of this year. Uh, we had a huge rain event, uh, some rough storms, and all this sediment and debris that had been building up in the creeks and tributaries that empty into the Tin Tom basically just flushed everything that was in it from the from the rain you know the ground is saturated the creeks were already swollen and so when that last big rain came through it just emptied everything out into the tin tom mm -hmm. and unfortunately it wasn't just one area of the tin tom that had significant shoaling it's about 20 different areas that's had shoaling and narrowing of the channel but two places in particular, the, uh, the, the channel was, was blocked. It was mm -hmm. impassable. Uh, the first one was up at uh, Witten Lock and Dam, which is where uh, the Tin Tom uh, connects to the Tennessee River near, near Pickwick. And then uh, the other one was in Aberdeen, below the Aberdeen Lock and Dam. It was so, the, the shelling was so significant that you could walk across the waterway on foot. So they, they've gotten the, the, the Witten uh, closure, the shoaling there, it was, it was fixed. I'm sorry about these noises here. Uh, the, the, the Witten locking dam was cleared rather quickly. However, the shoaling at Aberdeen was so significant that they had to bring in a larger dredge. They had to take it take it off of another project in Florida and bring it up to 10 Tom to that shoaling. Mm -hmm. The good news is is they're, they're, they're working on it right now. It should be open this week. The pilot channel should be open this week and then traffic can resume. And you mentioned that you know 20 or so areas had uh, some silting going on. How many of those did actually require dredging? Is it just the two that you mentioned or has more dredging been done already? Well, those two areas is where the dredging has has occurred up until this point, and that, that was just to clear an emergency channel. However, all these other areas are going to have to be uh, dredged as well. Mm -hmm. What's the, the timeline that you think you're looking at at this point to, to do all of the dredging that's needed? Well, fortunately, the uh, Mobile District of the Army Corps of Engineers uh, has received funding 8.9 million dollars to address all of this shoaling on the waterway. Uh, so they've already uh, started putting putting out bids to have this uh, dredging done, and we anticipate it being done by uh, late fall of this year. Okay, well that that's good news. Um, what's it been? What has it been like? You know, trying to get a project of this scope on the Ten Tom going once once you kind of realize the impact of all the storms and that some places were impassable what was it like trying to organize and, and get the the corps of engineer on board and, and for them to get the funding well fortunately for us the mobile district is a, is a very active they're easy to work with and very interested in supporting business and industry on the waterway 
so they were uh, they, they they were right on it. They knew what was going on. They had their uh, survey boats uh, out on the waterway, surveying the entirety of the waterway. Uh, for us, the challenge was working with our elected officials in Washington to ensure that the Mobile District received the funding that they needed to put the Tintom back to its authorized width and depth. Uh, so, so we we've had a, a fairly steady campaign of, of of working with our elected officials uh, to get that funding, and fortunately, they got it. So, you know, we're we're at this point, we, we're just you know waiting for the Mobile District to get the bids out for the dredgers to uh, come up and do the work. Yeah, what is the authorized width and depth for the Tentom? Uh, authorized width is 300 feet. Authorized depth is nine feet. And prior to this this particular problem, was that was it at that authorized depth and width in most places? Because I know I'm on the east coast, of course, and and a lot of the intracoastal is is maintained, but not at the authorized depth. Uh, yes, the the our width and depth was just fine before we had this this rain event. Now, there's always been some places that has some shoaling, uh, and that happens on any waterway. Anytime you've got a creek or a tributary emptying into a waterway, uh, there's always potential for shoaling. So normally the Mobile District would have about three and a half million dollars appropriated in their budget for dredge work on the waterway. But this was so significant that they needed $8.9 million extra to address all this from the rains and the floods that we had. And, and of course, some of this is maintenance. Uh, so the, the water was so high at, at some points that, you know, it got into uh, the locks, you know, the machinery, the mechanical part of it. And so there's some minor repairs in that as well. Sure. Do you know when was the last time this uh, flooding this significant happened in your area? It's never happened like this. And then I'll, I'll share, a, share a quick story with you. There's a, a company in Tuscaloosa, Parker Towing. Uh, they've been in business for over 50 years, uh, probably 75 years. And uh, one of their uh, executives, his name is Charlie Hahn. And Charlie and I had gone to Washington right after this flooding had happened to meet with legislators. And I asked Charlie, uh, you know, have you ever seen this happen? And he told me, he said, Mitch, I've been in this business for 44 years, and I've never seen anything like this on the Tenton Waterway. Wow. So, you know, that kind of told me that th this was a, a, you know, a generational type event. This is highly unusual. And, you know, like I said earlier, we've just had some unusual weather, uh, you know, for this year that's, that's caused this. So it's unprecedented never happened like this before. I mean, there's always, if you have a heavy uh, rain, a flood that there's, you know, could be shoaling in one or maybe two points on the waterway, never to the point that the waterway has been closed like this. Uh, but, you know, shoaling does happen and, you know, you have to address it, but nothing like this has ever happened. Right. Yeah, obviously unpre unprecedented, and um, we, I want to talk a little bit about how that has impacted some of the businesses along the Ten Time. Before we do that, I want to take a break to play a message from one of our sponsors, but we'll be back in a moment. Green Turtle Bay Marina and Resort has consistently been voted a must-stop by loopers. It has earned the coveted five-anchor designation from Quimby's Cruising Guide. 
This full-service marina features over 450 slips. They are located at mile marker 31.5 on the scenic Cumberland River. Green Turtle Bay is a proud commander sponsor of AGLCA, so join them and find your waterway of life. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Mitch Mays, who is the administrator of the Tentom Waterway Development Authority. And we are talking about the Tentom Waterway and some of the recent flooding that has resulted in the waterway being closed for a period of time. Uh, Mitch, before we kind of jump into what this has meant to the businesses along the waterway, um, if we could go back a little bit to some of the history of the Tentom itself. Um, from what I understand, this was one of the largest projects at the time that the Corps had ever taken on, um, was to, to dig the channel, essentially, that connected the Tennessee and the, the Tom Bigby rivers. Um, any specific details about the enormity of what this was that they were doing at the time? Uh, yes. Uh, the Panama Canal Authority, or the Panama Canal, the Corps of Engineers actually built that back in the early 1900s. And so you can just imagine how much material they had to excavate and, and how much construction that took to build the Panama Canal. The Tom Waterway was a larger project than the Panama Canal. Uh, they moved more, uh, more material out of the way to build the canal uh, than they did the Panama Canal. Wow. So that, that kind of gives you how, you know, how big of a project it was, uh, even, even uh, with in, in consideration of the Panama Canal. And if you've ever been to it, I've had the fortune to be there at, uh, one time after they had opened the new canal uh, with the expanded locks and everything. And, uh, you know, you see how impressive that is. And then we look back at our own waterway and say, well, you know what? It took more to build our waterway than it did the Panama Canal. And yeah, so that that's very impressive. In I don't know if this is true. It's something I've wondered for a long time. Maybe. Man-made structures that is actually visible from space. Have you ever, ever heard that? Uh, I'm, Kim, you cut out on oh. just about that whole question, and I caught just the tail end. Of it. I'm sorry. I'll, I will certainly repeat that for you. I have read, and I don't know whether or not this is true, so now that I have one of the experts on the phone, maybe you can tell me. I've read that the divide cut is one of the few man-made structures that is actually visible from space. Have you ever heard that? Is that? Can you confirm or deny that? <laughs> I, I've never heard that, so I, I don't know. Okay. But, but, <laughs> but, but I would imagine it is. It's a pretty, it's a pretty big cut. The mm -hmm. the Witten Lock is the first lock in the series of, of ten locks and dams on the Ten Time Waterway, and it's an eighty-five foot drop. So wow. you can imagine, you know, being at the top and then letting down. You know, you're going to be looking up basically through a rectangle uh, into the sky, especially if you're on a a recreational vehicle, you know, you're going to be pretty far down looking up. Absolutely. Definitely something to see. So, Mitch, most of your constituents for your um, development authority are the commercial interests along the waterway. And they, of course, have been devastated by the closure because if you can't use the waterway, then it's, it's obviously difficult to, to do business. Um, tell us a little bit about what the effect on those commercial entities has been with the waterway closed. Yeah, well, we, we don't have a, a, a total figure of uh, how much money this has cost business and industry on the waterway. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to get your arms around all of it. And of course, uh, some of this information is proprietary. 
So, uh, you know, the business and industry has asked us not to, you know, share some of the numbers that they've uh, been dealing with in terms of cost. But it's cost millions of dollars in extra logistics, using other modes of logistics to move their materials. Uh, I can give you, a, you know, a really good example uh, in Hamilton, Mississippi, a company called Tronox. They're set up to bring their material, their raw material, in by barge. It comes from uh, South Africa and Australia, and they use the Porta Mobile to bring this material in. And uh, they're not set up to, you know, have their material brought to them by rail or by truck. And so they've been using rail and truck, but it's cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars extra money to do that. And we're seeing this up and down the waterway. Tronox is just one company that's having to, you know, deal with this, but it's cost millions of dollars in extra cost of uh, uh, moving material and it's cost them in lost production as well. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is happening up and down the waterway. Sure. And once, after all this flooding, once the water receded, Besides all the shoaling that we've talked about, was there other damage to any of the waterway infrastructure or any of the marinas and things along the way? Uh, fortunately, none of the marinas had any damage. There was some uh, flooding in, 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 in the area. Uh, you know, a lot of damage to the Corps of Engineers recreational area. So they're having to, uh, to fix, you know, boat ramps, boat docks, uh, the gazebos and things that are, you know, part of the recreational area that the Corps of Engineers maintains, they estimated somewhere around $2 million in, in damage to these, you know, different recreational areas. Right. Well, and, and with the waterway reopening, it should be clear for loopers to come through as we get further into summer and fall. Um, you mentioned, though, that the dredging to get everything back to the authorized depth is probably going to take into late fall. Um any thoughts on what that might mean for loopers when the majority starts coming through that area, most likely around October? Uh, yeah, I would encourage uh, any any loopers to, you know, call into the lock before you get into it, either, you know, radio or phone number. Ask for any directions uh, that they might have for you, the lock operators might have for the loopers. And also just, you know, be careful when you're, you know, passing by the dredges. Now there'll be buoys out and, you know, there, there'll be uh, uh, notices to uh, mariners to, to be aware of this, in which I've, I've shared some of those with you in the, in the past. And then I'll try to get those to you if you don't uh, have, have uh, access to the, the emails that the Mobile District sends out with the notices to mariners. But, you know, just be careful. That, 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 that's the main thing, which I know all the loopers are careful, but, you know, extra precaution in, in this uh, instance would be the best thing. Right. Um, and any other details just in general about cruising the Tentom um, that you would want loopers to know as they're getting ready to head that way? I would tell them to come on. We're, we're ready for it. The Like I said, the, the pilot channel for the Aberdeen closure is going to be open this week, May the 1st. And uh, if you're if you're not already moving on the waterway, I'd say get get going on the waterway. We want you to come through and and visit the marinas. I can tell you now, the marinas are eager to have all the loopers uh, coming back through their areas. Uh, they're ready for you. Come on. 
sounds great. And loopers will certainly be coming. Um, a quick question that maybe is a little bit off topic. I'm not sure how well you can address it for us today. But obviously, some of, of the traffic on the Tentom is coming from the Port of Mobile. Uh, but some of it is coming in the other direction. Um, with the kind of lengthy closures anticipated on the Illinois River um, for a few months this year, but then for even more time in 2020. Any thoughts about what that's going to mean for those marinas along the Tentom and the other commercial interests, you know, the ones who, who sell fuel and, and things that with, with traffic, I assume would be lighter during that time period if people can't get from the Great Lakes. Any, any pre-planning or thoughts that you've, you've got about that situation? Uh, I really can't speak to that greatly, but I can tell you that we're aware of it and we do have concerns and the reason why there is still a lot of coal that moves on the waterway. Some of that is coming from Illinois. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we do have some concerns about some of the power plants that are in Alabama. Their coal comes from the Illinois area on the waterway. So, so we've, we've been watching it. We've not done anything about it. And uh, at this point, not sure what we can do other than just you know make people aware of it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, not much we can do. AGLCA has, of course, looked at it as well. And for 2019, it won't be a real big impact for loopers because it's scheduled to reopen. Um, uh, gosh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, September 1st, which is before most loopers come through. But 2020 certainly uh, may result in less traffic headed your way um, from recreational vessels leaving the Great Lakes because they just won't be able to um, for that July through October time period. But time will tell on that one, I suppose. Uh, Mitch, any final thoughts? Um, you know, any must-see places to stop along the Tentom when loopers are coming through? Well, uh, yeah, Columbus, uh, Mississippi has some really nice antebellum homes. Uh, it's kind of an interesting area, a lot of history. Uh, Tupelo is a beautiful area of Mississippi. I always encourage people to uh, visit Tupelo, the birthplace of Elvis. Uh, also, Pickwick, beautiful area. It's, uh, you know, that's just where the, the, the Tin Tom touches the Tennessee River. A lot of business and industry in that area, if, you know, seeing how uh, companies are using the waterway as of interest, you know, maybe take a short detour and visit Yellow Creek Port. Uh, and also, uh, please visit the marinas. Uh, like I said earlier, they're eager to have the loopers and the recreational traffic, you know, back on the Tin Tom the way it's, the way it's always been and should be. All right. Mitch Mays, thank you for joining me today. We will be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Thank you to our listeners as well, and safe cruising out there. Uh -huh.